this morning as the children are going back. If you would um, put your place in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and just kind of hold a place there. Um, and now I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start there, but we're going to end up in Exodus chapter 20. So Hebrews chapter 11 first. Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, with verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, <clears throat> excuse me, obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, we're going to take a little faith journey here, okay? And you'll understand why I'm doing this uh, as we get to our text. But it says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and by it being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Then it goes by faith, Noah, as you see the progression through time here, <clears throat> being warned of God, <clears throat> of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is... By faith. Now here we're going to enter into a time frame. In verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called out to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself conceived strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they say that such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, listen to this, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country 
from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In the area that we're talking about with the Israelites, they looked back and wanted to go back. It said, but now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, this is the part we're talking about, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now right here, what I noticed is a, what I would call a faith break in this chapter. Somewhere around 350 to 400 years of a break that's going to be skipped over. It's a significant amount of time for Israel, but amazingly, the nation kept their identity. A lot because of prejudice, for one reason. They were considered second-class people by the Egyptian nation and brought them, un brought them under bondage. Though we know there was some mixes in marriages by the time of the Exodus, they were still very separated as people. There's another reason they stayed separated, and that was a holding of the faith of Abraham. For what we see of the character of the Israelites as a whole in the wilderness, what we know about faithfulness prior to Abraham, and what we know and experience today, is that there is a remnant of faith that exists to uphold the name of God in a godless or religious people. Jesus made a statement in his early ministry to Nathanael. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. I'll just tell you, I would hope that the Lord would say, Tim, Myself, a Baptist <laughs> without guile. Think about it. what he's saying is he's, he's under the great nation of Israel, but it, that, that religion was full of junk. And he said, but here's a remnant. Here's Nathaniel. So we kind of know this. We know by Moses' action of faith, though probably hard to find in this, continued from the day of Joseph when he mentioned departing of the children of Israel in the commandment to taking his bones with him, which we left off in Hebrews. Let me give you the statement of Moses, Exodus 13, 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him some 300 or 400 years later. That was remembered, and it was taught 
as serious, took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you for 300, 400 years. You haven't seen anything. But God was on track, and, they never, and he never lost sight of that. That's true faith. Now, some 304 years later, we see the faith picked up by Moses' parents. Continuing in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for season, season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured <laughs> as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Now I want to make a note here, because there's kind of a pause. The wilderness journey, <clears throat> though only 40 years, is passed by in this chapter as a time of faith. I think it would be safe to say that the faith through this time period was not marked as a whole but by a remnant of just a few, Moses, Aaron, Hur, Caleb, Joshua, those who will be the leaders of faith in the conquest of the promised land where the hall of faith continues in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho. This is the next thing. It just kind of skips over that, that period and goes to, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So we're talking about this period of time as we are in the study of this wilderness period, 40 years of the most amazing, supernatural, physical display of God's power, yet a time of humongous struggle to live by faith for the children of Israel. That sounds crazy. But it kind of tells you it's, it's not going to be by great things and great miracles where faith comes from they had the greatest of it and yet they struggled to date we've seen several lessons of experience that we are to grow by today we find them at the base of Mount Sinai they have passed from grade school and now entering a new time of life a new way of living that they are being called to it's a period of time, or should we call it a new dispensation of living. I liken it to the teenage years where college preparation takes place and then also through the college years. It's a time period for Israel that will last until the graduation day from this school into the real world of the work of grace at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I pray that I am the only way I could. I had so many disjointed things through this chapter. And I kind of struggled. The only way I found that I could really like get through this is through an imaginative uh, thought of Caleb and Joshua through this period. So I've taken some liberty to say some things that are not necessarily biblical, but if you under, if you can kind of follow, I'm gonna it's gonna jump around. But I I'm praying that you understand and God will speak to you through that. The message for today out of Exodus chapter 20 will be entitled, The First Day at Law School. The First Day at Law School. Let's pray. Father, we come before you needing to be fed from your word, to be encouraged in our hearts, to be determined evermore to, to serve you and do for you. This, our days are but a few here. And so, Lord, just speak to our hearts, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 20, if you've held your place there, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I wanted to let you know, this is a verbal. This is coming verbally. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it Thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is, in, that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And verse 18 says, And all the people saw the thunderings, and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be 
be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. <clears throat> there are just a few things emphasized on this, what I'm going to call the first day of law school for the Israelites. But typical to the new student, they are simple. New students are pretty simple, immature, and will misinterpret what God is trying to tell them. The first day comes with a speech from God. And perhaps a couple of students named Joshua and Caleb came with a pad and a pencil, were serious, <laughs> to take notes. They would begin with an outline, then later meet up to compare what they heard and agree on a certain outline that would look something like this. Roman numeral one. Let's group this, Caleb and Joshua. My relationship with God is defined as, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Emphasizing the word, thy. That is a very important word in the word of God. Uh, three little letters. Personal pronoun. is really important. It's thy. It's personal. And then under that, number one, they begin to put A. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. B, thou shalt not make any graven images. C, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. D, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Side note, they put in there, I am to have respect, work hard to understand, and obey all those in authority, and be timely in all that I do. Then they have Roman numeral 2. They begin their outline. My relationship to others. Love thy neighbor as thyself. They figure that out. A, under Roman numeral 2, honor thy father and mother. They continue to pay your way through college. And they let you live at home and all those other things. Do not kill. Some warning of some anger issues because they were probably made fun of because they brought paper and pad to the first day at school. Who would do that? Probably wanted to kill some of those kids who give them a hard time for doing right, being called all sorts of names from teacher's pet to all sorts of derogatory names. Do not commit adultery, warning of sexual immorality, which that's the big, I'll tell you what, 
You want to lower your college students going to college? Take away the immorality. Take away all the sports programs. Take away all that stuff, the, the things that they can get in trouble with and just live just like they did in high school, just older and worse, though. You won't have kids go to college. Do not commit adultery. Warning of sexual immorality. Do not steal. Warning not to plagiarize or cheat. Do not bear false witness of warning not to lie. Do not covet. And if you listen this morning, there was a little tense of this. Warning not to compare. And that is, that is a bad place to be. You better watch it if you start to compare yourself. Not only would they receive the basic outline given by God, but they would have taken the following notes after being told the following from what I'll call the Dean of Students, Moses, who's been authorized by God. Verse 18 said, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. I'll just give you a little note there. That word fear in that verse is two different Hebrew words. You go look it up. But the one fear that ye, and it says, and that ye sin not, that word sin, if you look that up, it has the essence of missing the target. You kind of heard that this morning about a warning of not to miss it, so that you don't miss it, folks. While the crowd stepped back and requested Moses to stand between them and God, Caleb and Joshua heard something different. They understood the difference between fear and fear. That the fear of God with the understanding that the end result is to bring us to a close, loving relationship is a good thing. They would step forward when the rest of the crowd stepped back. Perhaps even with warnings, jeers, and taunts of the crowd. If you're going to live for God, you're going to have to learn to deal with peer pressure. But they would stay steadfast. They wanted somebody, the people wanted somebody between them and God. Moses, something in between them. Caleb and Joshua, nothing between me and my Savior. And the Lord said unto Moses in verse 22, Thus thou shalt say, unto the children of Israel. Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. It's not going to be long. We're going to see something. Here's the conclusion that Caleb and Moses came to concerning Moses' statement here. When we are out on break, when the authority is not in sight, and when we think he doesn't know, it is not a license to get into trouble. The rules still apply on campus and off campus. 
We are not to be Sunday morning Christians, living one way at church and another way than out of church. Let's just say the other group, the one who says everything uh, God wants, they hear everything you know, uh, God wants. They, they tell him everything he wants to hear. But when he's present. But what does he do all the other time when he isn't? And the mischief that they get into. Let's just say they, this group, this large group, decides to throw all their gold in a fire and pull out a golden calf. Joshua and Caleb said, we will not be any part of that. Verse 24, an altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and thou sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. This is before the tabernacle and, and all that. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. I'm sure the main group didn't what in the world does that mean? Caleb and Joshua made a few more notes from this statement by Moses. When everyone else said, all that the Lord said we will do, that kind of bothered us to say that. I know I could never do all that the Lord says. I would mess up at some point. What I hear is that God knows that I will fail. And He has given us a way to be right with Him. That he is a God who desires and has a way to make me successful even in spite of my failure. It is like the law as a mirror they talk about. When we look into the law, we see our transgressions. And the wash basin is like the altar to make ourselves clean. verse 25 and 26 and if thou wilt make an altar of stone thou shalt not build it of hewn stone for if thou lift up thy tool upon it thou hast polluted it neither shalt thou go up by steps into unto my own altar that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon now Caleb and Joshua came to this conclusion that there is also a particular way for cleansing that cleansing does not come with anything on their part, their works. And that no glory should appear before his altar. God said, don't, even, don't put your hands to any of this work. You touch it, you've polluted it. All, all your works are as filthy rags to God. It requires nothing of you. And then I've heard, you know, the steps that your nakedness might be discovered, you know, that they had dressed you know, that physically that could be. But I really think this is a reference to anything that you think, all the, when you come to God and you say, but God, you're climbing up a step. You're, you're putting something in there of your glory, of your thoughts, of your reasoning, But what God is saying is, we're to come and say, I am wrong. God is right, period. 
I will trust in His judgment of my sin, that He will use it for my good, and afterward I will be clean. Do you see there's two types of fathers? Fathers, if he was like me, when my mom said, wait till your father gets home, that wasn't a pleasant thing to wait for. Fathers have a little bit of wrath, but a good father has that wrath for their good so that they might not sin. They put it on. They don't just let them get by. They love them enough not to let them get by, to let them know. To look in their eyes. To tell them this is how it is. And it puts a fear in them. But then there's the fathers. Sorry to say, there's some who come in and just slap their kids around because they're angry. Because they had a bad day. And something happened with the kid. They don't even listen to what it was said. They just slap them around. Take their anger out on them. What a horrid thing. You see, the two groups of people, I believe the Joshua and Caleb knew of a loving, they were looking at a loving father. The other one said, we're afraid. God's just going to, he's just going to whip us. They had a, rela- it's, it's all about a relationship, a right relationship looking. First John 1 John 1.5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Isn't that what you want to do? You need to get that fellowship back. That's what kills a kid, is not having fellowship with their dad. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, I think of the other group. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. There will be many Israelites in this school who will drop out. Or should I say, drop in into an opening in the earth. Or be bit by a snake and not look and live. Or some just die living at home and still in school for 40 years. But the Caleb's and the Joshua's graduate early, ready to live by grace. They get it, yet with respect to the law that they would learn. Now, let me give you a picture of law and grace. You know, most teenagers and college students graduate not well prepared for the work world. The work world, success is about performance, bottom line. It's what you get done by the end of the day. What really matters, it's what the work that needs to be done. When I graduated, I had good grades. I had good attendance. I was obedient. 
and willing to work and would work hard. By the law, I was a perfect person to hire. There was a job I applied for that I thought I would surely get because I shined. I knew what the rest of these kids and stuff were about. It's hard getting a job then. It was for Wendy's up in Eastgate when it first came out. There's a trailer. Jobs weren't easy to, to come by. I didn't make it to the first step of the interview. They apparently saw in me I wasn't going to work. It didn't matter all those other things. They were looking for something else, some other kind of performance that I didn't represent. <laughs> when I went to Live Oaks Vocational School, I learned something. I went and I, I did machine trades. I'd never done machine trades. I was like, you know, in my mind, it was like, okay, this is a place where you can go and you could make pretty good money there. I decided I wasn't going to go to college. So I decided, well, then I should take the trade. I get in there, and there's, if you ever go to trade school, a lot of trade school is people who hate high school and just want to go skate and get a job. They're rough people, a lot of them. But as I began to work in there, I seen I could pass the tests, I could do all those things. But those, these other kids were good at what they did. They had parents and stuff that were in machine trades. They knew they probably had worked on stuff before. They knew how to produce. I felt very much underneath that. I knew where I was. Understanding what needs to be done, not having to be told what to do was missing <laughs> in my life. But I call that the people, that that's working by grace. I went to a place called Rinks. Now I was a hard worker stuff, but I was great if they told me there's 300 of these burned whiskey barrels over here. I need you to take them apart, restack them, take them over there and it'd take all day. You wouldn't find a better. But after they give me one task, I like I couldn't see past it. I was very mechanical and what I needed somebody to tell me what to do. There's plenty of things to do if you look up and you and you see the big picture. It's that type of maturity. Really God's looking for that's what grace is about. Grace is necessary to live for Christ. Yet the law is good. It doesn't disannul the law. It's like a person who is hardworking, knows what to do, and is self-motivated. That's grace. But also, by the law, they're dependable, on time, and loyal. You find that person, you got something. I've seen all sorts of mixes of that. But I'll tell you what. When it comes down to it, it's the ones who can produce, it's the one the employer needs. He can even give up a lot of that stuff, some inconsistencies. Because this person comes in a little bit late, but does twice as much as the guy who was on time. Because he hasn't figured it out. Grace is figuring out. When it comes to somebody who operates by the law only and is fantastic at it, he will lose the job 
to a performer, though he may have great inconsistencies. You see, you don't get a check just because you show up on time, take your breaks and lunch on time, and then you're a good citizen. So I'm hoping you're kind of seeing the difference, the different spirit in Joshua and Caleb. And the different spirit we need to put in on our children here and the understandings. They need both. You need the law. You need the structure and to do what's right. But God's will is not going to be done through that. It's going to be done through knowing him, living for him, trusting in him, being able to hear his spirit, being able to do what needs to be done. It's not a mechanical thing. It's a life thing. If Caleb and Joshua wrote one sentence to describe their first day of law school, it might have said this. Take time to be holy. H-O-L-Y and W-H-O-L-L-Y. What about you? As the pianist comes, heads bowed and eyes closed, kind of a strange way to bring a message of, of the Ten Commandments of all things. But they were entering in to something new, the law. Many would struggle, but some would get it. Some would dig for it, while others would just ride through looking for the next basketball game or party in life, jump back in school and maybe see if they can make it through. Where are you at today? Thank you for your attention. Seek after him, man. Go after him. You won't regret it. You will regret not. One day you will. And you may regret it even in this life because of misery you'll fall into. So I encourage you. Have a different spirit in you than this world. This world is. <laughs> I'll tell you. If everybody's doing it, that ought to be a warning to you. A deep warning. You better search that thing out. The, the group, the whole group, tends to go down. The wide is the way, narrow is the gate, as we've been learning in Sunday school. Make sure you don't miss it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for each family that's here. Please speak through the heart today. Lord, speak to the children even that are in here today. May they be encouraged to, to stand alone, to, to just serve you, to, uh, to, to serve their parents, to seek the blessings of God in their life amidst a world that's probably going to make fun of them and make it difficult on them. 
And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.